0: welcome to questions about heaven a podcast about giving bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with god each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world now here's your host brad zockel and greetings to you this is brad zockel i hope you're having a good day Uh, this is the questions about heaven podcast And as you know, we've been working our way through verse by verse into the book of Revelation. A lot of people find it to be very, very intimidating. And uh, indeed, there is a lot of the descriptions in this book that are very scary. But it's more, it's a warning to those who are the uh, reader that's just approaching the book for the first time. To the believer, it is answering the question, when justice will be done. To the non-believer it's a warning and that's why in revelation chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 it says read and heed this because the time is sudden the time is quick and once the alarm clock of the celestial authority known as yahweh himself once that starts ringing there is no turning back so we look at all of this and we see the joy of heaven such as uh, the presentation of heaven in revelation chapter 4 but also the great fearful stuff that's happening, like in Revelation chapter 6, worldwide earthquake and the judgment and such. So, let's go on as we're talking in Revelation chapter 13. This is the introduction of the Antichrist, and we've been reading that. If you've been following me in the different podcasts, we've been going as detailed as possible in cross referencing the study behind this with verses to let us know what exactly is going on. God is allowing satanic forces to enact uh, all kinds of havoc on the earth and in judgments against man who will fight against God. So if you listen to the earlier podcast, you'll get an idea of what this is talking about, of what's going on on earth. In a general sense, we don't have the detail that would be a day-by-day blow, but we do see some things which are enough for us to understand. It is indeed important to let everybody know that the wrath of God is indeed very, very powerful. I'm starting in verse 11 now, and as I'm reading here, it tells us that we saw, or as we saw in the beginning, verses, a beast rise out of the sea. Now we see something very, very important in a contrast, the beast coming out of the earth. Okay, so let me start reading here, verse 11 of Revelation chapter 13. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke, though, as a dragon. So we have the appearance of one gentle, but yet in a voice that is very violent. Verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. There was an assassination attempt, and we talked about that. He performs great signs so that he makes even fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell in the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell in the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and had come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the freemen and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number of that is of a man." and his number is 666. All right, let's talk about this. When we're going in here and we are understanding what is being presented here in the Antichrist, we see, first of all, this is the mockery of Jesus. We see also, once again, something that's a mockery. As Christ came out of the earth, this one comes out of the earth too. Then we see that this one is now a mockery of the holy spirit the false prophet we see though that there is two horns giving some sort of gentleness now i want you to think back in chapter 5 and verse 6 what did it say about the true lamb of god when we see him the symbolism there is that every time we see horns it symbolizes strength that's the uh, symbology of this sign. Uh, We were talking about the trumpets we're talking uh, were the symbol of something big about to occur. Every time we see fire in the Bible, it means holy judgment. And when we see horns, this represents strength. The lamb in chapter 5 and verse 6 had seven horns, signifying in that figure of speech there, in that uh, representation, let me say it that way, that he is totally In control of everything going on. That's the celebration of chapter five, that he has complete power, symbolized by the seven horns. It also says in there that he has seven eyes. Now, does he have physical seven eyes? No, no, this is, uh, once again, we're seeing a symbol. And seven meaning complete eyes always mean wisdom. So he's complete wisdom and complete power. All right, so we go back here and we see one is introduced with just two horns, somewhat of power. He spoke like a dragon, and from that dragon we see the dragon, Satan. At the very beginning of verse 1, we see that he stands at the shore, and he is giving his approval of this next step of his attack to the first beast. And now we have one that gives the speech. He's given authority to speak for the dragon was speaking like him too. And he refers here in verse 12, that this one exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. In other words, he has as much power. So in a mockery of the Trinity in which we have three persons co-equal as God, the triune God, we see this, the satanic sharing of this one on earth to be a mockery of that and to imitate a religious approach to power. And that's why when people will tell me Well, I don't believe in religion. I'll tell them, neither do I. And they'll be shocked by that. And I said, not in the way that you're presenting it. In the dictionary term in your mind, you're thinking of liturgy, ritual, some sort of an ethereal uh, mechanism to make you feel transcendent, to make you feel above and feel deep. Well, you can get that in many different ways. And so, no, I don't follow that definition of religion. My walk with Christ has to do anything If there are no candles around or anybody wearing robes, it does not matter. I am with the community of believers. We are together celebrating the Lord and reading his word here. So when we see this, we also see that in here, all of the authority of the first beast in his presence is there. And he is there in this making up of a religion that will be a substitute for the Christian faith here too. He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. Again, here's the mockery. Jesus died and rose again. The false messiah here, the Antichrist, he, quote, dies and he, quote, raises again. And it's reminded. So, then the false prophet, as we see the narrative here, is saying this. You have a resurrected one. Worship him. And he is causing those who dwell in the earth Everything here to worship the beast whose fatal wound had been healed. So we see this. This may have been a total con, or it may have been through satanic power that people saw this actual assassination happen on the media, and they have uh, totally fallen through this. And now there's a worship for them, substituting the worship for the Lord in his uh, wrath and in his judgment. They're aware of God. They just don't want to worship him. Now we go to verse 13. This one, this false prophet, performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. So now he's going to mock the fiery presentation of holy judgment. In the presence of men, he's going to do this. And this will also give a great fear to people that I have the power from the, quote, heavens, and so you need to worship the beast. And so now they are rejecting the God of heaven but they're finding fire from heaven is good enough. And so there's a cheap imitation here as well. All right, now, when we take a look at this, we see that the image that is being made here, verse 14, is a deceptive one. The signs which were given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell in the earth to make an image to the beast. So he's continually doing these uh, different sleight of hand Uh, appearances and showing a mock deity approach to things and in that he is able to convince them to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life now in there what he's doing is he is also continuing on how many people do we see that will follow an image that will follow a tangible and that's their worship Now, we do know there are cults, and they will follow a a leader they think is deity. But also, in the secular world, there are those that will follow their own gods. It might be fame, it might be fortune. They're going to follow one, and in that image, they will worship it. And in this sense, there will be an encouragement by the false prophet to promote the horizon below the sun. Hey, listen, life is great here we can make it even more powerful if you will worship the beast here's the authority he has to change this world this world is all you have to worry about and so here is an image you keep talking about an invisible jesus the false prophet says here is an image you can actually go to and touch and worship And the beast is here and honors this as well. So we're seeing this as an imitation. Down through the ages, you've seen this with emperors. Uh, I had read some uh, years back on the dead emperors, the different uh, temples where people would go to uh, in the early days of the the, uh, emperors in Rome, the Roman leaders, and they would worship them and they would take over and uh, put... Uh, The sacrifices down before the different statues and such well this is continuing here now when we see this in verse 15 and it was given to him to make the breath to the image of the beast so the image of the beast would even speak and causes many who do not worship in the image of the beast to be killed so now what do we see here we are seeing that there is uh, whether or not this image could physically talk there's some communication of authority that's coming out to the extent that people are dumbfounded and in their obedience the power grab is more and more now some who will make decisions for christ possibly are saying are, are hesitating i don't know that i want to go this far and worship this image I don't know where this voice is coming from. I don't know how this is going on. But I'm hesitant. Well, you will know because now the violence comes. You will worship him or you will face a persecution unto death. And so now the violence is escalated here. And we're seeing that those who do not worship the beast are going to be killed. So when we see this, we go down to verse 16. And he causes all, all of them through all over. You have to be given a mark on your right hand or on your forehead. Why? For currency, for commerce, for transportation, and such. He provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Well, what's that name? Well, it says you should know this. This is the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of beast. It's of a man. And his number is 666, 666, as you've known. During the time here, when we see this, you would see people in the early days, in, in, uh, down through the ages, they would have a tattoo of some kind, a marking on their body. In Leviticus, it talks about those that would cut their hair a certain way or put a tattoo on themselves to signify their deity, and a lot of times this gets confused in the contemporary world when somebody would say, well, this is saying that no one should have a tattoo. We could talk about that later on, but that's taking that Leviticus passage out of context. It's talking about those who would cut their hair a certain way, shape their beard, and show outward signs of what they're doing of their inward faith in a, a cultic deity. Well, this is the same thing here. It was common then, so this is not lost on the reader of that day. The right hand on the forehead, uh, on there. And indeed, this could be whenever we see the Christians, think about it in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 3, it talks about the sealing of the missionaries who have the seal uh, on their foreheads, uh, the seal of God for protection. And that's repeated over in chapter 14 as well. They have his name on their foreheads. Well, this could be a mockery once again of that. You're seeing a lot of imitation and mockery of the holy things of the Lord on there as well. And so, you'll find that. Now, why would they have something on their hand? Well, think about this. Whenever you go to Exodus chapter 13, you will see that the Jewish leaders would have the phylacteries, the boxes with the scriptures. They would put them either on their forehead or their hands. When I was over in Israel, the last time I was over there and approached the... Uh, to, the first time I went, it was massive. It was during the, uh, uh, the Passover. Tons of people. And so And that was my first time. So I took a lot of things in. So much, it was like drinking from a fire hose. The second time, I was able to observe some things. And we saw a younger man coming up to the wall. to his forehead, and extremely tightly to his right hand. And those were boxes with scriptures as he was approaching the western wall in there. This very well could be another mockery of that. Well, you might have the box of verses strapped to you, Rabbi, but here's what we have. In our instead of Christ, we are having a sealing, a verse, a liturgical type of honor. Just as you have it on your right hand and your forehead, so do we. But it goes even worse. You cannot have any commerce uh, during this time. Now think about this. Whenever you take a look and you find out it's somebody during uh, the, the Holocaust, for example, what happened in Hitler's Germany, the Jews, one of the first steps of persecution was the inability to be social. You can't go to the theater. You can't go to the park. And then it stepped up and then it got to you can't buy anything. And of course it got worse and worse and worse. And this would also be a sign that it was very similar to them. Now, when we see this, we see this number 666. There's a lot that we can say about this. And when we do this, you have something called gematria. And in there, this might, as, this might very well be John doing this. This is when you would take uh, different number values to each letter of the alphabet. And you would then give an assignment to that. And when you see this number, this well could be this way too. Now, when you do this, this is taking the numbers and adding this up. And this can say this. Six six, six is by adding up the, the the numbers associated with his name. But I also find this, and I find this consistent as I've been studying the scripture through the years. Six is the number of man because he is not complete. Seven is the number of completion. Three is the number of completion in another way. So in different ways that the math is presented in the Bible and the numbers and the symbolism of that, we see something fascinating here. You could say, The number of God would be 777, completion upon completion, three times. See, as holy, holy, holy means God is completely holy, as we see in um, Isaiah chapter 6, you would say this, 777, God is complete, God is complete, God is complete, which you think about it is the numerical uh, uh, presentation of Yahweh. He is totally self-sufficient, that's what the name means, a self-sufficient one, I am who I am. Well, this one here, the beast, is as perfect a man as you're going to see by looks, by ways, by strength, by deception. He is six, though. Always remember he's six. And I tend to fall that way when I study this, that this is as perfect a human outside of Christ the God-man, but in a man-man, you will see this one. And the presentation here is you will find one as perfect as a human presentation as possible. And people will draw to him, to his looks, to his ways, to his manners, and they will follow that. And that's possibly what this number put here. And they will freely wear his number in association with him because he is so everything to them in the world. There's so much more I could say, but I see that my time is up. And so I'm going to move on. This is Brad as we are moving through the book of Revelation. And we have just finished up Revelation chapter 13. So much more I could say, but this will give you something that you can grasp this. Well, so we'll move on to Revelation chapter 14 in the next podcast. Thank you so much for this time that we've been able to be together. This means so much. And be able to go back and review these things and study them. And so we'll get together again. This is Brad with the Questions About Heaven podcast. Thank you so much. And Lord willing, we'll talk soon.